Morning. We had a really good friend here last week uh, from Seattle that we've known 15 years, maybe 20. 20? 20 years. Ay, ay, ay. Where does the time go? Uh, and she left and she said, you know, I love that church. Your music was great. The speaking was great. I, I joined that church. I said, come on down. We need you. <laughs> you know, bring it down. Get Monty down here. Be a missionary in the church and the neighborhood all the way through. Um, this morning we're going to look at a text uh, that is one of the reasons I honestly became a pastor, if you want to know the truth. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, I was a bit of a rascal, imagine that, uh, experimented a little bit, and the songs that we sang this morning uh, really set up where we're going in the text right now, which I have to say is one of the reasons we sing. We sing so that we're prepared to hear, receive, and act on the Word of God, right? So it's preparation, it moves us in so that we can receive, be transformed, empowered, unleashed, mobilized, and sent out as we, say it with me, go. Thank you very much. There were some lines in those songs that just were surreal for me and brought me through my whole life in a way. And uh, in college, I ran out of that tomb. Anybody here ever run out of a tomb before? You were just trapped, and I can remember as a freshman in college just running out of that tomb because high school for me, was, it was filled with experimentation. Let's just leave it at that. I ran to the, to the moon maker, second song we sang, because there is no other name. Uh, and I've probably done that a few times since, if I'm honest. Maybe more than a few times. And we're looking at a text today that is out of Luke's Gospel entitled Go, but it's how to start a movement. See, when I ran out of the tomb to the moon maker, um, I wanted to be a part of a movement. Because to me, that's what church is. Church is a movement of the hands and feet of God on earth today. That's church. Anything else is a, perhaps a fatal distraction. Social. It's a what? Social a social club. By the way, here's a candidate for ministry for ordination in the PCUSA. You answered well, grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no other name. So take a look. I'm going to show you a video here. I think the quality of this is going to be okay. If it's not, I'll never show this again. This is a TED Talk. Uh, and he's going to talk us through, uh, really in about three minutes, how to, how to start a movement. And all I want you to do is notice what you've noticed. Some of you have seen this before, but most of you haven't seen this before. Interestingly enough, this is at a music venue in, in Washington State called The Gorge. Don and I go see Dave Matthews. Well, we had seen Dave Matthews there a few times. We didn't participate like everybody did, if you know what I mean. Uh, but we went, and we, we went and we listened to the music. And this is, uh, this is the gorge in George, how to start a If you've learned a lot about leadership and start to finish in under three minutes and dissect some lessons. First, of course, a leader needs the guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. But what he's doing is so simple, it's almost instructional. 
This is key. You must be easy to follow. Now here comes the first follower with a crucial role. He publicly shows everyone else how to follow. Notice how the leader embraces him as an equal. So it's not about the leader anymore. It's about them, plural. Notice how he's calling to his friends to join in. So it takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out and you brave ridicule yourself. Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership. The first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, the first follower is the spark that really makes the fire. Now here's the second follower. This is a turning point. It's proof the first has done well. Now it's not a lone nut, and it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd, and a crowd is news. A movement must be public. Make sure outsiders see more than just the leader. Everyone needs to see the followers, because new followers emulate followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, then three more immediately. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point, and now we have a movement. As more people jump in, it's no longer risky. If they were on the fence before, there's no reason not to join in now. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, and they will be part of the in-crowd if they hurry. And over the next minute you'll see the rest who prefer to stay part of the crowd, because eventually they'd be ridiculed for not joining. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement is made. So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, Remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public, be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is overglorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy, and he'll get all the credit, but you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in. Okay, what do you think? Actually, I'm really glad it wasn't very high quality now that I think about it. I think I'd pull a lot of muscles doing some of those things. Uh, now, I know that they probably had some help with a variety of chemicals, but what are some of the things that, what are some of the things that about leadership and movements in particular that short little vignette? Stop it. Stop it, right, that security, Ted, He's in your row. Love him. Love him on the way out, but show him the door. Give, uh, give him a hug and kiss for me, but there's the door. This was me two years, man. Okay, what else? Risk. Be brave. Be the first follower. Keep going. That <laughs> sounded like the horn at the end. It was fabulous. What else? What else? Yeah. We do it in here. We do the same thing in here. Fascinating, right? One lone nut. 
It's usually over here somewhere. Faithful follower, and then by the end, most of us are standing. It's true. We do it. We, we do that in this place. I got into ministry because I wanted to be a part of a movement called the Realm of God. That's church. And this text this morning uh, is about that. Jesus, interestingly enough, was the lone nut. And the first followers, and then today, we're 12. And then in our text today, he's going to send out 70 Now, to me, the powerful aspect of that video vignette was at the very end when uh, it was one large unified crowd. That's the power of a movement. That's the power of the realm of God being activated in a local congregation as they move into their neighborhood. Somebody's got to give me a Baptist amen. Amen. Thank you very much. And I'm still not taking my shirt off. That would be nasty. All right, let's read the text. Luke chapter 10, first 14 verses, I believe. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Other translations say 70. I may talk about that later. Uh, We're going with 72 and sent them out, here it is, two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Verse 3. What? Say it with me. Go! Go! I knew it was still there. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Go lighthearted. Don't take a purse or a bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. Just go. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Notice how subversive we enter. It's all about peace. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages or her wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter town and you're welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Eat whatever they eat. When in Rome, do as the Romans. Alfredo took us to a Venezuelan restaurant early on. And I had eaten things I had no idea what they even were. And I ate. And he talked me, he taught me how to eat. Because I was entering into his world on his terms. And now check this out. Heal the sick. Who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal. Whatever you encounter, be a healer. Be a peacemaker. That's salvation. Wherever you go. But when you enter a town and you're not welcome, go into its streets and say, I don't think I'm advocating this, uh, literally doing this. But go into the streets and say, even the dust of of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet, be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. 
I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it'll be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you will be lifted. Will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you won't. You'll go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, Jesus says. But whoever rejects me, Jesus, rejects the one who sent me, the Godhead. The reading of God's somber, holy, yet mobilizing word to us on this day. Let's pray, my friends. How to start a movement. How to enter into a movement that's always gone. That's the question of every church, including this church. What does it mean to go? God, you've prepared our hearts with songs that drive us to this place where we're ready to hear, receive, be challenged, transformed, mobilized, and sent out. Praise be to God. Holy Spirit, come. This is not about one nut. (laughs) This is not about the first or second follower. This is about a movement of God called the community at PPC being the hands and feet of Christ in our neighborhood. That's church. Challenge us to those ends in your name. Amen. So this this is a great text because it's, it's talking... It's a, it's, it's a move from just talking about going to actually going, right? Uh, it's a text that challenges us to move from just information about what it might look like to go to a transformation to actually go, to actually do these things. It's a challenge to us as church to move from mere discipleship to apostleship to being sent, to actually going. It could be described like this. Remember originally, Israel left Egypt? In that Exodus narrative, they left Egypt and they went to the wilderness. This text is like Israel leaving Egypt to the church leaving her buildings and actually going into her neighborhoods. Because the church of God, Jesus Christ, truly is, and it came in the text a couple times, about the realm of God and nothing else. And that realm of God is a peace movement by God's people moving together as one in the neighborhood. Now I know what you're thinking right away. Great idea, great concept, but how are we going to do it? Let me tell you this, it's not like this guy. It's not like this guy. 
There we go. It's not like that guy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, hit and run kind of things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what we see in the text. We have 70 people going where they go and living with the folks subversively, organically in their homes and simply being salvation to all people. And salvation in the life of Christ, if you really look at what Jesus actually does in life and ministry, salvation usually is whatever the person needs at that particular moment in their life. A little different than the way we talk about salvation today, and I'm going to unpack that as briefly as I can in the moments we share. It's more like a movement like this. There we go. Where we lock arms with our neighbors in our neighborhoods and we seek to be transformers of change. Where the whole neighborhood is lifted up and empowered and transformed because of the Holy Spirit of God. I think according to this text, there are four steps to start a movement called the church. Four steps in starting a movement called the church. Why? We're called to go. So let's talk about how to start a movement. Four steps. Step number, step number one, really simply out of the text. We go in community. We go together. We do this with one another. With the community that we go to. It's very loving. It's very tender. It's very collaborative. It's very relational. It's very from below. They went out in community, in pairs, the text says. And so do we. I knew of a church in uh, Minneapolis years ago, and I think they still do this, who uh, started an initiative in their neighborhoods. They were in the southeast corner of Minneapolis, and they literally challenged their congregation to move into difficult neighborhoods in the city. That was the missional challenge. And people literally would move from the suburbs into these apartment complexes or where they would purchase homes into some troubled neighborhoods. That's called being church in the community. That's a movement of God in that location. 50 people took up the challenge to make that move. Any takers here? I know some that are here today who have actually done that. Praise be to God. So a movement begins when we go in community. We do this together. Second step in starting a movement. We go as makers of peace. We go in peace. I don't know if you caught it in the text. But they went in peace. And their primary task was to heal whoever was sick. To walk with those who were hurting. (laughs) To run out of the tomb with folks that wanted to run out of the tomb. It's a great line. With the moon maker, because there is no other name. They didn't go in anger. They didn't go in hate. Darkness doesn't drive out darkness. I read that somewhere this week. Hatred doesn't drive out hatred. I read that somewhere this last Monday. Love does transform. Martin Luther King Jr. Any boundaries that have been put up, 
this community, as it went out together in pairs, bridged those boundaries together to get to the neighborhood. To make peace and to bring healing and to bind up the wounds of the broken hearted. It was a true conspiracy of love in our text this morning and in the way we go in 2019. You see, one mark of spiritual maturity is when you've been hurt by someone, instead of trying to hurt them back, you try to understand the other person's pain. I have to confess to you guys, I've really been working that in my own life over the last decade. I'm a slow learner. Church, as the realm of God movement, looks like this in the neighborhoods, as community, as a movement. Again, this is the fundamental reason the church exists to be a movement of God in the neighborhood. Anything else? A fatal distraction. We make peace. We heal. Develop relationships. Bind up the broken hearts. We forgive. And in the words of someone doing cutting edge work on this, we see people for who they are. We immerse ourselves in their culture with no judgment. We contend with and for them. And we seek the transformation and the restoration of the city. Do you see it in this story? Many of us have grown up going to church, right? We've read Jesus' parables. We've read these Gospels. That's what's actually in the text. Those are the things that we actually read about what salvation looks like. So we, number two, go in peace. Ready for the third one? You with me? We're still talking about this movement. Crazy guys. Men and women that we are. We do go with a sense of urgency. Remember, Jesus is now making His way to Jerusalem. His time is running out. There's some urgency here. So when we go with, emer- with urgency, I almost said emergency. I was trying to figure out how to work emergency into urgency. Couldn't do it. We recognize that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. When we enter into a new place, if we're welcome, we stay. If we're not welcome, go away. Shake the dust off our feet. Which leaves us with this amazing question, what really is salvation then? Right? That's an amazing question to talk about. Now, since the 1950s, we've talked about salvation being something like this. More of a transaction. God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. Totally true, I believe it. But you know what? I really messed up. Tim talked about it this morning. And I did, and I do. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but so do you. (laughs) But the good news is Jesus is here, died on the cross to take away my sins and yours. So that we can live with God in eternity forever. Right? Now, 
Tell me in Scripture where Jesus says any of that stuff. Word for word. I got a lot of time. Um, I'm looking for hands. Now sure we believe that, right? And sure it's a good way to package the good news. It's a great way for kids to understand the good news and young adults to understand the good news. But it's only the first level of spiritual formation. The scaffolding with that kind of movement is only good for the first floor because we know that the world is much more complex than that. Perhaps we as church, in thinking about this, ought to build a second level of scaffolding that goes deeper and literally wrestles with what Jesus actually says about what salvation looks like in his own historical context. Because I think this text right here is helping us to do this. Okay, do you want to throw me out yet? Or are you intrigued? So, we go with urgency. Because salvation's not a transaction. I'm, I'm sinful and broken from God. Jesus died on the cross, is going to take away my sins so that I can go live in never, never land someday. That's true. That's good. But what about now? Because Jesus is really concerned with now, all the way through the Gospels. He's really, really concerned with now. Case in point, today's text. He sends out 72 or 70. I'm not going to get into an argument about that. Sends out 70-some people in pairs. And he says, heal them. Walk with them. Bring peace. And if they snub you, walk away. My time's running out. You're going to have more time. See, I think salvation is a little less getting up there and more about getting up there down here. Right? I'm going to say that again because that's a tweetable tweet. Salvation is less about getting up there, although that's going to be great, but more about getting up there, wherever up there actually is. Theologically, it doesn't make sense. But getting more of up there, down here, right now. Right? And how do we do it? We go out in pairs. We go in peace. We do whatever needs to be done with a sense of urgency and no judgment. There's no judgment here. We build bridges over every single wall. And if we've created a wall, we knock the wall down ourselves. Because the last step in being a part of a movement, as I see it in the text, is we're actually called to go not on our terms, but to go on the terms of the people that we're connecting with in the streets. We eat what they offer. We stay where they want us to. We travel light. We don't move around. We become their culture. We become their traditions. We become them. We don't make them become 100% like us. Which is no different than the Incarnation. 
The incarnation models this for us. Jesus, filled with all that it means for God to be God, becomes a human being. God becomes Jesus. God becomes like us. God leaves on His terms somewhere else, temporarily suspends all those things. This is really deep theology. Tim, you're going to need this someday. And empties Himself for a time being so that Jesus can become fully one of us on our terms to do what? Pray with us. Heal. Wholeness. I mean, it's a really long list, isn't it? Transformation. So I'm, I love this story because it's one of the reasons I became a pastor. It's still one of the reasons I stay in ministry as a pastor. Because the church is about participating in a movement of God called the realm of God on earth today. It's about other really good things. But that's the main thing. That's the one thing. Remember that movie City Slickers? (laughs) Oh, what was that guy's name? Yeah, I'm not going to quote Jack. But he, he gets, his name is Curly. Curly tries to get Billy Crystal to figure out the one thing. Remember the movie? You're not too old. You can remember this. Don't look at me like, that was a long time ago, dude. It was a long time ago, thank you. I'm going to have to throw somebody else out. We're going to love you while we kick you out, of course. Ted, another one, love him, but kick him out. Yeah, that's the one thing that the church ought to always be about. Everything else is a fatal distraction to our loss of relational relevance that needs a bold church in the world. Okay, challenge. Uh, Close your eyes. If you choose to participate, I invite you to participate in this with me. Close your eyes. In your own mind, picture, picture perhaps neighbors I'm going to give you a variety of options, but let the Holy Spirit bring into your mind who the Holy Spirit wants you to focus on. Picture your neighbors, maybe their coworkers, people across the street, maybe they're folks that you play basketball with or you see at the baseball diamond or the soccer field. Maybe there are other family members with your kids' soccer teams. Would you pray for them right now? Just pray. And keeping your eyes closed because this is just between you and the Lord. If you prayed for anybody just now, and you want to participate in this, will you please stand, keeping your eyes closed? I'm not going to look at anything other than my notes.
my friends. Chapter 10, verse 3, the very first word. Uh, Now you are commissioned to, chapter 10, verse 3, the very first word, to go into those places, the lives of those people, in this way. In community, in peace, not judging, yet recognizing the time is near. Being healing, the salve of salvation. Being in that person's life, whatever that person needs, because that's salvation to that person, recognizing it comes from Jesus Christ himself. You're commissioned to go this day. The mark of a healthy church is not their seating capacity, but their capacity to send people into the neighborhood in this manner. May we live more faithfully and fully, loving all people to life. May we do this relationally with great relevance, and may we be bold, bold in love, bold in grace, bold in forgiveness, bold in building bridges. What an audacious love by an audacious God. Thanks be to God in whose name we pray. Amen. And keeping your eyes closed, I'm going to invite everyone else to stand and ask the choir, sorry, that's next week, uh, ask the band to come up. we got a great song. And thank you guys, men, women, and all. Because we're going to build the kingdom here, aren't we? Amen.